the Talent Experience Podcast featuring authentic conversations on the future of work. Empowering you to better understand and deliver a best-in-class, future-proofed career experience. For more insightful conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, I'm John Holland, and welcome to the Talent Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Lance Hahn. Lance lives life at the intersection of people, work, and technology. He's currently vice president of Market Insights for the Star Conspiracy and a contributor for Reworked and ERE.net. He focuses his work on researching and writing about work technology and its, and its practical implications for organizations and people. Lance is a former editor for ERE Media, broadly covering the world of human resources, recruiting, and sourcing. He's been featured as a work expert in the Harvard Business Review, the Wall Street Journal, Fortune, on MSNBC, in Fast Company, and other HR and business publications. I would be remiss in not saying that I've known Lance for a number of years, and we go back to when he worked with me at ERE Media when we were launching TLNT.com, which was a very incredible time, and uh, we had a lot of a lot of fun then. So, Lance, thanks for joining us. How are you? John, I'm good. It's great to be back and great to see you again. It is. And um, I'll get right back into things here. Um, you know, I was reading something and I know you do a newsletter for the Star Conspiracy every week, which is kind of a wrap up on things in the world of HR and, and talent and talent management, which it's turned into like a must read for like me. And you were writing recently about going to the ERA recruiting conference in Atlanta And one of the things that you said, if I can quote, you said, um, uh, if you get out of the tech sector, you see that organizations are more worried about not getting enough talent. Uh, Many, many industries are really concerned about their next hire more than their next layoff. This makes me wonder, why are we still hearing so much about recruiting and not so much about retention? Because the more employees you can hold on to, the fewer you need to recruit. This is something I have been thinking a lot, too. I don't understand, even now, where finding people is so hard, why retention doesn't seem to get um, the love it should get. <laughs> and recruiting still seems to be the only way a lot of companies think they can help their staffing problems. What, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, well, um, on the on the macro side of things, I mean, I think tech gets a lot of um, attention. And I know you've been around the block a few times. I have too, uh, John, you know, I mean, we've seen sort of tech go up and down. It gets a lot of uh, word count in, in major publications, and um, that's how it goes. But you look across sectors, there's lots of sectors that are hiring that are desperate for talent. And you talk to them, and it seems like going to, I think, the primary point of your question is like, why recruiting and why not retention? Because recruiting somebody's job retention is like everybody's job. Um, it's hard to assign a budget number to it. It's hard to kind of put a, a finger or a number on that. It's much easier, you know, for, for organizations that are e- like that are more accustomed to easy levers of, you know, push this button and it'll do this thing sort of thing. Retention doesn't work like that. So we're looking at um, employee experience is sort of the primary driver of that. And employee experience is really complicated because you're really talking about, 
you know, what we define employee experience as, as the perception of the quality of all the experiences we collect at work. And so when you put it that broadly, when you take a holistic view of that and you say like, this is what's going to drive retention, yes or no, you start to say, oh, okay, I can see why organizations are do- are not focused on this because uh, it's complicated, because it's difficult. Uh, but even though it's complicated and difficult, we should be doing it. Um, and it's the best way to give your recruiting teams an advantage because they have to recruit less people. Um, and that's that's probably a good thing right now. Well, I connect uh, retention and employee experience. And uh, at, at Fuel50, we really focus on employee experience because it's one of the things that our software um, really, really helps with. Um, and so I know it's an important thing, but how do you define employee experience? Because everybody defines it a little bit differently. Yeah. So whenever we think about all the experiences we collect at work, that's an overwhelming amount of data. So, you know, there's organizations that are doing poll surveys that are doing all kinds of things. There's some great organizations that are doing work, uh, along those lines, Qualtrics, Coltramp, those sorts of things. They're collecting a lot of experience data. But actually what we have found through our research um, and through lots of other people's research too on employee experience is that employee experience is really defined by these key moments in a person's career. Um, you know, when they join a job, when they're at a transition point, when they're moving in or out of the workforce. Uh, think about a, uh, a family medical leave um, issue or something along those lines. Um, you know, there's there's these key moments that sort of stick out. And so you think about employee experience as our perception of that. So we're really focusing on the perception of that. And really, whenever we think about um, how we build perceptions and memories and thoughts about what we experience in all the data points our brains are taking in on a day-to-day basis, really focusing on, you know, maybe a handful of key moments during that, that, that point of that point of your, your career. And so when I think about, you know, what Fuel 50 does with, um, you know, career, career development and, uh, you know, thinking about career transitions or career promotions, those are key moments and, and, and defining moments of that. When you do it really well, they really just bring up, uh, sort of the tide of your employee experience. When you do it poorly, it pulls everything down. And so what we're we're always thinking about with employee experience is trying to pull up the bottom of of those bad experiences and try to heighten um, the 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 really tall those big experiences uh, that make a difference that we know sort of stick in people's minds uh, whenever they're thinking about their experience at work. Well, you know, I know that uh, I really like the connection between uh, employee experience and retention because as somebody who's worked in a lot of jobs over a, a few years, um, I remember so many times starting at a new company and when you were in the interview and maybe even when you first started the job, you'd ask about the future and they didn't want to talk about the about the future. They were they were focused on the here and now, what, what you're going to do in the job that you just got hired for. And if they talked at all about the future and your future job path, career path, they would talk in vague terms about, you know, what might come up. And it was so vague that they could never be held responsible for it. Um, and then what would invariably happen is down the road, a year, two, three, maybe more, you'd find that there was no career path. Um, yeah. You know, there were some people they had their eye on to move up. But you didn't know how you got on that path or you didn't know how you got pegged like that. And you never knew how um, you could get to like the next step. And so what happens? People leave. 
people get yeah. to a point where they say, you know, I've been here for three years. They don't, um, they're not giving me anything um, new. I'm doing the same old stuff. And now I leave. I always used to tell people when like I started a uh, new job, I'm going to stay here for a year and a half and then I'll reevaluate. And what I found is that at a year and a half, if they hadn't started talking to you about future path, it just didn't happen. So it's great that people are talking about it more now, but is the talk actually going into action? Is it actually helping retention? And do you see that growing over the next few years as companies come more head to head with the fact that recruiting isn't going to get them out of all of their employee problems? Yeah, well, I mean, we're getting to a point where um, we're we're going to hit a talent crunch at some point. So, you know, we see a lot of um, organizations dealing with this now. Um, you see this um, in really critical industries like the oil and gas industry, um, where you're seeing thousands of people retire every single year, people with a lot of experience. Um, and they they have to start thinking about, you know, what what they have to do because it's it's not just about um, we'll just go hire somebody to do this. There's nobody to hire. Um, and so, you know, for some, some industries, it's, um, it's sort of that, you know, that foundational level of their organization, they won't survive if they don't do that. So you see a lot of action there, John, I'm sure, um, your guys's research, um, shows that as well. What's what I'm less concerned, less, less, not, not concerned about, but I am, I'm, 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 le I'm seeing less of is this sort of um, thing where you see a lot of people, um, you know, basically getting, get, not getting the opportunities to, to, to not necessarily even move up. You know, I think lots of organizations, uh, especially in early career, um, you know, transitions or early career uh, opportunities, um, don't give people the ability to explore. Um, you know, I think what um, we see a lot of organizations trying to do um, is trying to add some more definition around, you know, how you move up inside the organization, but also how you move around. Um, are there rotation programs? Are there project-based, um, you know, things that you can work on to experience a different role inside the organization, even temporarily? Um, so we're seeing more of that. How much that's helping retention? I haven't seen a lot of data on. Um, I'd like to. I'd like to say that yes, we are we are navigating that way. But outside of industries where it's just essential, um, I'm not I'm not seeing a huge huge push for that. I'd like to see more, and I think I think we will have to see more because at some point um, we're going to lose. You know, we're we're still losing. You know, across the entire workforce. You know, what ten thousand plus employees every uh, every day uh, to retirement, um, and we're not getting that many from from Gen Z yet. So. Uh, we're getting into a talent crunch here. You're seeing work, workforce participation rates at really, really low rates. And so um, at some point you run out of people to recruit. And I see this um, and, you know, I, I see this at Amazon too. You know, you look at their, their warehouses and that sort of thing, and they're, they're running out of people inside of um, inside of some of their markets. And so you talk to their talent leaders and they're like, you know, we're, we're still probably a year or two behind, you know, automating enough uh, stuff to catch up with jobs. And so we have a real, uh, challenge, you know, you can only increase pay so much to to, to match um, match the job. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of challenges in the industry right now. You know, we should uh, have you back at some point, and we could have a great talk about Amazon and their talent management practices because it would be a fascinating yeah discussion. I am <laughs> sure. But um, you know, on the retention front, one of the things that um, you hear a lot about now is skills. People don't have the right yeah. skills and that people need to be 
you know, re to be reskilling, getting trained more, all of these things, and that the lifespan of skills is much, much shorter. As someone who watches these things real quick, do you do you think skills are a big problem? Do you think companies are trying to get like their hands around it? Are they getting like their hands around it? Where, where do you think stands with skills, reskilling, and things that used to be called learning and development? Yeah, um, it's a good question. So we did some research um, within the last year um, with, with another vendor in the space on skills in particular. What we found is like... Um, you know, companies uh, feel like they've got a good handle on the skills um, landscape. So they, they feel like they've got it under control for the most part. They know what skill they, they've identified, what skills they need. They've got a plan for filling it. Uh, what isn't happening is that's that's not getting translated to the employee level. And so employees are nervous. Employees are thinking about this. And to your point, they're not getting communicated what's what's the plan. Um, what's the, you know, um, you know, if you're, if you're in a, uh, skill, uh, set that, uh, is constantly being updated, um, what's going to happen whenever, you know, if you're, if you're a developer and you're working on, let's, let's say the Swift programming language, uh, it changes like new things are added to that every single year. How am I going to stay up to date? If you don't tell me, I'm going to assume if you're not communicating with me, I'm going to assume that you don't have a plan for this. Uh, you might have a plan, but you're not communicating it with it, me. Um, I'm going to look for an organization that does support me. And so you see a big gap between where employers think they are on skills and where employees are assessing how their uh, how their organizations are doing there. So yeah, I mean, huge, huge issue there. I think a lot of it has to do with communication, but a lot of it just has to do with like, I think organizations um, still aren't 100% on this uh, on this trend. Well, it's funny because you hear people like Josh, Josh Burson and a lot of folks like that talking so much about skills and reskilling and the need and companies need to need to do it. And while it's great that they're trying to, I, I mean, wow, it's a huge problem if the fact that they're doing that and that employees have a role in that, a big role, uh, isn't sort of seeping down to the employee le level. I, I mean, it makes you wonder about internal communications when those yeah. things don't happen because, I, I mean, skill, just to reskill people, it's not cheap. It, it costs no. money and uh, it takes time. Yeah, it takes, it takes huge amounts of time and, and planning and resources. And most importantly, communication, op open and honest communication about like, hey, you know, this is the type of role that we see sunsetting in a couple of years because of that. Instead of telling you it's going to sunset and just tell you, you know, hey, good luck, you know, uh, you know, in a couple of years and hoping they'll stay stick around with you. You're like, here's the plan. You know, what we're going to do with this role is we're going to change it into uh, this new role that we're anticipating. And doing that requires a certain level of confidence, and a certain level of like, you know, a clear crystal ball for their business which just I think a lot of organizations just don't have. And so it's great to be excited about reskilling. It's great to go to a Josh Burson presentation and listen to him talk about this stuff and say, yes, we need to do that. It's another thing to put into action and communicate with your employees. And that's where I think a lot of organizations are dropping the ball. The truer words were never spoken, Lance. Uh, yeah. Hey, you watch a lot of this stuff. And I know that you write about it a lot and you go to conferences and you watch it and you do a lot of it. Have you bumped into anything re recently in terms of talent management that has been surprising that you didn't didn't expect it or that it jumped on jumped on out at you and you kind of said wow I hadn't hadn't heard of this but this is a really interesting change or topic that that folks are folks are talking on 
Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, we had a speaker at uh, ERE. I say we, like I was like I was part of the organization. I was there and I, I saw a speaker at ERE talking about, um, they were talking about uh, te- their, their testing um, solution, you know, kind of kind of coming out of, out of COVID and um, realizing they had they had to sort of, you know, staff up uh, in spite of, you know, work from home stuff. They needed people like to come to the office. Uh, they needed people to come to uh, medical facilities and do work. They needed people to produce, um, you know, chips and technology, um, you know, ventilators for um, organizations to keep people alive. Um, very important work. Um, and so they they just, uh, the the really interesting thing there too was just, how they spun up sort of a uh, a data layer uh, to understand this, understand where the shortages were, understand on a regional um, and 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 site basis where they needed technology and how quickly you know when you have the resources um, and sort of the crisis mentality, like what you can do uh, when put to work. And so, what I loved about that presentation is like it showed what it showed what amazing things can happen when it's sort of that, you know, that uh, almost like that wartime, um, like, you know, progression and like, you know, promotions inside the organization and trying to like figure out how to like do really big stuff in small periods of time to save as many people as you can. Um, it's 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 it just shows that if you can do it in those circumstances, if you could put the data in place if you can get the visibility into the workforce, um, I mean, not just your workforce, but the workforce in general, who is out there that can actually help us produce ventilators. Um, and then you can you could apply that and get people hired and get them into buildings where they have to work together um, face-to-face with, you know, with a pandemic raging to save people's lives. Um, then what can we do when we've got maybe a little bit more time, a little bit less pressure, but the same level of um, issues and, and challenges we have on the talent on the talent space. And so uh, if it's possible at that sort of crisis level, it's definitely possible when we've got the resources and time to to put those strategies to work. And so that's that was one like just incredible story that I heard that I loved, um, you know, being able to talk to the speaker afterwards and just, you know, understand a little bit about what they did and sort of, um, you know, how they pulled it all together. They just said like a lot of, long days and nights to, to try to figure it out. It seems like this is this is within reach of so many organizations now. Well, you know, I, it's, it's funny because uh, uh, it's a great point that, you know, when you have sort of a military battlefield approach, we got to really pull everybody together and get, get it done. You can get lots done. And I'm struck by the recent hurricane that hit that hit Florida, that That's hit right. like Gulf Coast. And one of those one of those islands that had a a community that the people were completely cut off. They had a new bridge built in three days, that's and right. you say three days. My goodness! Well, that's because they had that focused approach, and it's like a great point. I would love to talk to you more, but I think we are kind of getting getting to to our end here. So uh, we we need to have you back sometime. I'd love to talk about uh, Amazon's talent talent Always. stuff. They they are there were several pod uh, (laughs) so anyway thanks again Lance you have been great and thanks uh, again John we will do it again I'm sure so for the talent experience podcast at Fuel Fifty this is John Holland thanks for listening thanks for listening to this episode of the Talent Experience podcast for more talent experience and future of work conversations visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. 
Follow us on Twitter at TalentX Podcast. Or join the conversation with hashtag Talent Experience Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. The Talent Experience Podcast was brought to you by the fabulous Fuelies at Fuel 50.